Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 33rd episode. Today, we're going to talk about adversity, and my guest today is Isabella Picard, who's a former collegiate softball player, and she's going to share the story where she was sliding into second base, ends up breaking her neck, leaving her paralyzed. She's going to share the story about how she dealt with doctors telling her that she's never going to play again, she's never going to walk again, she's never going to swing the bat again. And when you hear this interview, you'll understand the perseverance that she dealt with, the attitude that she has, the mindset she has. And I've never met anybody that's gone through something like this that has the attitude and the energy to live life and, and to take something bad and make it good. And I can't wait to, for you to hear her story because it motivates me. And I can only imagine when you hear her story, it will motivate you too. I am so honored to have her on my show, and I can't wait to share this interview with you. So let's go talk to Isabella. Hey, Bella, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I think, um, you know, with what we're going to be talking about today, I am, you know, it's very, very heartfelt, but it's also, I'm very excited for you to share to my listeners your story about adversity and how you've dealt with you know, your injury playing softball, collegiate softball, and I'm, I'm just, I'm honored to have you on the show, but I think my listeners are going to really understand, have a different perspective when they have a hard day or they're dealing with something difficult that there's always good, or you can always put a different lens on to look at things differently and reframe it and, and think of, and just being in a more positive state of mind. And, and your story definitely shows that, and I can't wait for you to share it. I love it. I can't wait either. Awesome. Well, as you know, we kicked this show off about, you know, setting the tone on mental toughness. So I uh, want to ask you this question. What does mentally tough mean to you? Mentally tough to me, boy, like I said, I mean, post-accident, you know, that definition changed for me. And I'll just give a quick, what I used to think mental toughness was, you know, was enduring the pain it takes, you know, to get better. So in the weight room or, you know, waking up early, putting in the extra hits, blah, 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 because you know, it's worth it. Um, my, my mental toughness now is, uh, honestly being able to remember my 19 years of experiencing life, you know, as an elite division one, all American, you know, athlete and, uh, be able to kind of, um, put that aside and focus on the task at hand, which is, you know, getting better. And, uh, that's mental toughness to me, I think is when, uh, you can allow, um, you know, the, the storms of life, I guess you could say, or, you know, the storms of the moment, whether it's in the weight room or you're rehabbing or whatever, uh, it's when you can just put aside, kind of neglect that, uh, the hurt, the hurting part. And I mean, hurting, not just physically, I mean, just like emotionally, you know, mentally tough to me is when I can look in the PT mirror, trying to do an exercise that is so easy, but I just can't do it. And being able to smile, you know, that's right. mentally tough to me. Beautiful, beautifully said. Now with the accident that you went through, can you walk me through what happened on April 18th, 2015? Yeah, so uh, the story goes, um, I was on first base. Uh, I had hit a single, which I I, li- I like to know <laughs> because that was my last at bat. Right. And uh, I was on first, and it was a hit and run, uh, a little botched. And I was running into second, and I collided with the shortstop, and I broke my neck and was knocked out. <laughs> wow. You know, looking back at it, I still, it's the memory thing. I can never get there. But, uh, yeah, it was a scary day. It was. What was it like, though, when you were in the hospital, um, when a few things? Because I believe when you were in the hospital, um, just right when the, the accident happened, it was probably, from the doctor's perspective, it was more of a temporary injury at first, but then realized that you, you did break your neck. How did, how did you deal with the emotions when you found out your neck was broken and also the dreaded, you know, statement of, you know, you'll never play softball again. Yeah, no, that was, uh, I, I, that, that didn't, that didn't become like reality to me until like my second month, uh, living in inpatient rehab. 
because, uh, yeah, those words were tough. I, um, I didn't believe it. I mean, I think that's the natural state, uh, for really anyone. It's like, no, like, cause you can't just imagine, you know, life right now, all of a sudden having, you know, it's just drastically different. I mean, you've like, like physically it's different. Like you feel it, you, you know, you understand the reality of it from what you're experiencing and, you know, from the prognosis and, uh, you know, when, when I was heard, you know, it's, it's, I will never forget it. The radiologist guy in the CAT scan room for some reason, I'm not sure why, <laughs> but he felt the need to say, uh, it looks like, you know, your softball career is probably over for now because the first thing I said in reply to all the stuff they were saying, and keep in mind, they, it was hectic. They wanted to rush me over to another hospital, you know, get the fusion, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he felt the need to say that. <laughs> and I, uh, I was just like, Oh, he said, your softball career's over. And I, and I was like, no, I want to know when I'm going to play. And he just kept saying that. And I wow. was like, I was like, all right, this is a nightmare. <laughs> wow. And how long were you in the hospital for? Oh man. Uh, I was in the hospital from like all acute, like for, through rehab and everything. If you want to count that, uh, just shy of three months. Wow. You know, you're, you're yeah. playing, playing the game that you love and you're thriving in it. And then just at a moment's notice, life changes. Oh yeah. No, no, uh, no warning. <laughs> right. Well, you know, watching or, you know, understanding your story and watching you on social media and seeing just the incredible improvements that you've made, which I love it because you're just a fighter. And when it comes to motivation, what fuels your motivation to to walk again and swing the bat again and throw the ball? Like what what drives that motivation? Well, I have to say a big part of it is um you know, I'm a big person on do you know, do what you can with what you have and uh even though I don't have what I used to have, I'm still doing what I can. And I think a big, the, the biggest motivation is, you know, in this rehab and like I said, with the mental toughness and all that, uh, in this rehabbing, when you get that one, you know, or two like little milestones that you hit, like, Oh, like, wow. I, okay. I can do that now. It's, it's self-motivating. It really is as anything is, you know, if someone's, you know, working on their game or, you know, on a diet and they can tell their genes are bigger, you know, things like that. And then the other side of the motivation is like, well, why not? You know, and, and, um, that's definitely the, I think the crazy athlete in me Right. <laughs> is because that's life. I mean, it's like, well, why not? And that's why I've become so involved with you know, adaptive sports and all that. But yeah, my, I would say the biggest thing that motivates me is, uh, the fact that this is a, you know, every spinal cord injury, any neurologic injury is, is such a mystery. And, uh, a big part of it is like, I just want to show guys, you know, people in the world that like, even if you're not even, you don't even know if you're supposed to be able to do something, just do it, like right. do it based off of who you are. And, you know, I'm sure if, I was a professional knitter and I, you know, got my accident then I'm sure I would, you know, try be trying to knit every day. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I guess that, yeah, you're, it is the, it is the crazy athlete. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, that's, that's part of your spirit. I think when you, when you go through something like this, it tests, uh, your spirit and I, you know, and I guess my next question would be, you know, when you're playing softball, when you were playing softball, there was this, this competitive spirit that you had. But has your spirit changed in a, in a way of, you know, do you feel like your your spirit is stronger now because you've dealt with this? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think to myself often, if I could have, you know, mentally and emotionally and spiritually what I possess now, having gone through all this, if I could have all this as, you know, the athlete I was, I mean, I would, I, I would be making some sort of sports center news. I mean, <laughs> and it's just, I feel, I feel stronger, you know, like spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Now my spirit, everything, because, um, I look back at before my accident and I never really had a huge hardship like this, you know, I mean, no one really does. It's kind of, you know, a, it's rare, especially when it happens to you. And, um, I think just 
looking back and knowing I, how true I've stayed to myself and God and my family and, and, you know, just, just being so like in it all the time. It's very, it's very like strengthening. I think it's, it's spiritually maturing. It's, um, you know, it's, it's just, it, it adds a whole lot of teaspoons of grit <laughs> to my recipe. Oh, right. So, right. So I like it. How much has your faith helped you through this? I mean, without it, I wouldn't be where I am. I think, um, my, I mean, even my definition of, you know, faith has changed just in so many infinite ways. You know, of course, believing in a God that is like, no, this happened for a reason and I need you to stick around and talk to me uh, so you can find out eventually, you know, <laughs> and like that to me is so comforting. Like, like I can honestly just picture being a little kid with whether it's my dad or my big brother or just some figure in my life and not knowing what the hell was going on, but I still trusted them and I eventually would find out. Uh, and that's, that's one aspect of faith. The other thing is, uh, believing in what you cannot see that aspect of faith and not only believing it, but like living in a way, you know, that reflects that it's like, you know, look, I like look down at my feet, you know, I have pretty much a bone for a leg. Now my knee down is just so atrophied. Uh, you know, it's, it's like just weird to look at. It's not what I'm used to. And, but like, I look down at it and I like, can still see my right normal leg. Like I try, I'm a huge person on envisioning. And that's the ironic part about my faith is it's, it's literally like, it's nothing to really do with like seeing actually, but it's, it's envisioning that you can. And like, I just think that it is so, so important, uh, in any life adversity, you know, just, it keeps you hopeful. It keeps you out of that deep pit. It, just keeps you going. It keeps you think, you know, thinking that there's something more. And, you know, even if there isn't, Hey, on my deathbed, I guess that'll be the more. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, there's really no way for me to even, you know, say it doesn't work for me, but it does. And my God's good. That's for sure. That's great. Yeah. I think part of it too is, um, it just, you know, with your faith and your spirit, it's just, it just shows the type of fighter you are. And I, I have never met anybody that's gone through what you've gone through and just deal with life in such a positive day. Now, I know there's there's hard days and there's shitty days, and we're going to talk about those oh, in yeah. a few minutes. But your perspective of this is in, it's unreal. And there's a lot of people that are struggling and maybe not struggling with something that you went through. Maybe it's a little bit less, but they just can't see through the thickness of negativity and, and the narrow mindedness that sometimes we get caught in. And I just hope that any of my listeners, you know, no matter what you've gone through from an adversity standpoint, or if you are dealing with adversity, there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, and you're actually, you're, you're in position to create that light, no matter what the hardship is. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, when it comes to motivation, there's one thing I thought is super cool, and I actually do this a lot with my athletes. Um, I have them write, whether if it's words or there's an acronym, you know, which is WIN, you know, what's important now. I have them write that on their gloves, in their locker room, where it's visible every day. So it's more, it keeps motivation in front of them, but it also keeps them focused on the right things. And one of the things that I think is awesome is that you wrote April 18th, 2015 on your cleats. Yeah. And tell me about that. I, oh, I remember that. I did that. It was after my accident. I tried to go back to school, failed miserably. I, my health was so bad. So I came back home and I'll, uh, I'll never forget it. I was just sitting on the ground, obviously in my room, uh, with my, with my new puppy, Benny. And he, either they were sitting there or something, my white cleats, the ones I was wearing uh, during my accident. And I saw them and there was just like conveniently a Sharpie. And I wrote the date down on my cleats and I just kind of looked at it. And like the feeling I can't like the way like you make, you know, you know, people write it down on paper and because it's good to see like it really is because um it's almost just a, it's a one thing that you feel like in control of, and it's something to hold you accountable, you know, and just writing that date down, those cleats was almost like, that's what happened in these, in these cleats that day. Like, like here it is. And right. I no longer can, can put these cleats on, 
And I don't know if I ever will, but what I do know is, you know, these cleats were what I was in on this day. And that's awesome that they were cleats, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's stuff like that. That's great. Now, do you ever write that on anything else? Like, you know, your bat or your, your batting gloves or just on your cleats? Well, well, pre-accident, uh, I, I would write, I would write like my seniors numbers on me or, you know, uh, stuff like that. Um, but not, not really. It was just like a wicked weird. Well, then I got a tattooed on my arm, April 18th. So I guess, I guess, I guess I made, made that one permanent, but you, yeah, you took no, it to the not, next level there. Didn't exactly. You? I'm like, you know what? Screw it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I guess not really. I was never really, you know, like that, but I really think it's a good idea. Big time. So we talked about the hard days, how do you, how do you deal with the hard days? How do you get up in the morning and just keep on going day after day? Well, yo, yeah, like to be totally honest, and I've I've said it to you, you know, I I I'm still hurting from my accident, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, like just nerve pain on these bad days that you talk about. It's nerve pain that's always like my top reminder of what happened to me on those base paths, you know, and you know, I think it's it's reality that makes the bad days hurt because it forces you to live in the moment. And I think what has really helped me with these bad days is learning to like, yes, live in the moment and understand you can't live in the moment when, you know, thinking about all this other stuff, even though the nerve pain is present and it's a reminder of, you know, what happened to me that day. And then all of a sudden I go off on all these memories and things and softball and blah, and I turn into a wreck. So instead of doing that, I've realized you know, live in the moment. That's why, that's where my faith comes in again, kind of just like open it up to God, just, just a silent meditation, just sitting in silence and just, just finding something to smile at, finding something to work on, finding, you know, living in the moment and just accepting, you know, everything that is going on in that moment. And it's that, it, that aspect of my faith, I have to bring it back to that because that's, that's how I get through those hard days. It's, it's, um, you know, just knowing also that I'm helping others with my fight. I have people I look up to, you know, uh, SCI recoveries and all sorts of recoveries, amputees, all, you know, a few friends I have. And like they, the way they motivate me, it like it gives me goosebumps because knowing that I can maybe do that for someone else, like that gets me through those hard days. Absolutely. Um, you know, stuff, stuff like that. It kind of sounds, uh, corny, but it's, it's true. It's like at the end of the day, like what, you know, do I have to still provide to this world? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, everything, <laughs> you know, right. And that is such a good feeling, not just for me, but because I'm thinking of others and, you know, in a condition where I don't feel helpful a lot, you know, I can, you know, I can do things that can help, but things that like, you know, I used to be like muscle woman and like, like no one asked me to move their fridge or, you know, stuff like that. And it's <laughs> right. like, I can feel like the awkward, like tension too. When someone's like, Oh, I need help moving this heavy object. Not you, Bella. And like, <laughs> like that gets like, I'm like, okay. But, uh, yeah, it's just like, uh, feeling like I can help people in another way, even though I'm not physically strong, like that really keeps me going. It really does. Well, one thing you said that was powerful was, um, being in the moment and staying present. And I think it's great because a lot of times, especially if you go through something like you did, a lot of people live in the past. And a lot of times it's those moments you can't control anymore as much as that they're emotional and they still, they, they create a story for you, but, and they're a part of your journey we get so stuck on things that we can't control anymore. And a right. lot of times we start getting ahead of us and we start pre-living. We start looking at things that might happen or could happen, but mm -hmm. guess what? We can't have no control of it. So let's be in the moment and be present. So the way your, your mindset on how to deal with hard days and being present to it is awesome. And, you know, and leaning on your faith is beautiful. And what's really cool is that you're, you're taking this opportunity to help others you know, through oh, the situation you went through. And, and I want to bring up a, a gentleman who's, you know, a good friend of mine who I played football with, who I believe is not only on the, the front line of making sure that people like yourself can walk again, 
but Roman Reed, who I played football oh, with, and, yeah. so he was he was paralyzed the day the year after I left uh, my junior college, and uh, he's an incredible dude doing incredible things. But I know oh, he's reached out to you as well. Yes, yes, oh yeah, amazing. And it, it, like I said, it's people like him, you know, that I look up to, and it's like, dude, the way you're helping me right now is something you could probably never understand. And like, I take that into my life, and I'm like, Bell, just you know, just do your fight, do your thing, like just keep going and know that there has to be at least one person who gets that same feeling, you know, from me. And like I said, it's not a me, me, me thing. It's like a, oh my gosh, I can literally take this battle, throw it on my back and have people want to like follow me to this war that they don't even really, you know, they can't see because it's mine, but it's nice to know that there's people behind me, you know? Absolutely. You're, you're in service and, you know, and and you're taking something again, that's a bad situation and you're making it good for other people around you. Uh, That is incredible. And that's what Roman's doing. Roman is, Oh, he's amazing. He will not stop. He's, he's, he has a mission and, uh, and I, and I believe that's in you too. And I think you're doing, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit towards the end of the show, but things that you're doing now, far as being, you know, an activist for this, but, you know, we'll get into that. But I think both of you guys are doing great work as far as bringing awareness and support. Mm, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, Roman's amazing. Eric Legrand as well. Uh, you know, Meredith coach, Dana Lang, they're all, they're all just incredible. It's, uh, you know, like, like-minded, uh, I think spirits too with them. Cause we were all athletes and it's, uh, yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Well, when it comes to fear, because I can only imagine the first mm-hmm. time when you wanted to take the first step or the first time you wanted oh, to get back yeah. into the gym or the first time you wanted to swing the bat, how did you deal with fear? You know, it's funny because I, as fearful as I was, you know, like you, when you said, you know, taking your first step, I literally just like time warped back to a few times in therapy when I was living in the hospital, when, you know, we were doing new things for the first time in, you know, like a month. And, uh, it wasn't until those moments actually when fear really slapped me in the face because I always pre-accident. And now I think fear is just like really something that like occupies our mind and like anything could occupy that spot of our brain, you know, fear is just like that thing. We just throw a label on a memory and that's fear on right now. And that's how I've always been. So, you know, rehabbing the first month and doing all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm fearful of my life right now. Yes. But I'm anxious to like test this fear, you know? And, uh, it was a few times, we did some parallel bar stuff, uh, trying to put weight on my right leg and man, my knee would buckle. It would collapse. I would fall. And it wasn't after like the fifth or sixth, like, and like I said, I was a tank. So when I went down, like two therapists were like, <laughs> like had to catch me real quick. And it wasn't until like the fourth or fifth fall where like, that was fear. I mean, I can just remember bawling my eyes out and it was because, oh my gosh, everything, I have been fearing, you know, is being, you know, put to the test right now and I can't do it. Like that was very, it was a claustrophobic feeling of just like, oh my gosh. And, uh, how I dealt with that, how I hurtled over it was like, well, Hey, how many times Bella have you been terrified to play against, you know, this girl on that team or, you know, those few girls on that team, you know, it's, it's that kind of fear. But when you prove yourself on the field to, you know, be a little bit better or just have a solid game, it's like, Oh, that fear has gone. And now you can't wait to, you know, play them again. And, uh, that's kind of how it is. It's just like, you know, my fear is this recovery. And so far I think I've had a few good games and it makes me excited to keep competing with it. And that's kind of just how I have to view it for myself because that's just what works. Right. Well, it goes back to what you're saying about being in the moment and being present because when you think about fear and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I can only imagine, you know, every day is obviously it's, it's, it's a different day for all of us, but you know, 
for you, it seems like you conquer fear every day. And that fear could be mm-hmm. just going down or upstairs. I mean, it's so crazy that you're saying this right now because uh, my AFO, my leg brace, uh, actually has broken three times over the last like two months. And I was just saying to my parents this morning when we were having coffee, I was like, I am terrified to try my new brace on because of those three times my only reliable thing I had broke and I had, and I like, I fell one time and then the other two times I just like stumbled and caught myself. And, uh, like it's fear like that. Like now every day that that's just like a whole nother new fear. Cause I never feared my leg brace, you know, like ever, that was my safe haven. That was, you know, but just though, even those little experiences that come along with this injury, it's just like fear, fear, fear everywhere. And it's like, you know, that'll eat anyone up if uh, you can't find, you know, a way to let that fear kind of fuel your fire, you know? Right. Exactly. Like, how do you, how do you come from a fearful mind to a fearless mind? That's such a good question. Honestly, I think you just got to take away or add on three letters and the adding on the three letters (laughs) is everything you can manifest. It really is. It's just, it's that simple, but that complex. It's a, you know, what, what I have to always remind myself is, you know, the fear in my head right now. Yeah. Maybe it's happened before, right. If we're thinking about the past and you're scared. So you made it through that. Yeah. It sucked. And if it happens again, oops, but chances are, it'll be better. And if you're fearful of what's happening in the moment, like my knee, it's uh, like all sorts of messed up because of the atrophy. And it's like, yeah, when I'm doing some exercises, I'm fearful for what's about to happen right now. But to make me fear less is to, like you said, live in the moment right now, become so in tune with your body and kind of understand it to the next level so that, you know, that fearful thing you dread, you know, if I can feel my knee doing something weird or I can tell this or tell that, it's just intuition, it's instinct. And it's, you know, that's what makes you feel in control of that fear. And I think that's the the fearless. Got it. No, I, I agree. I agree 100%. You know, and, and one thing that you said earlier about about your body and how strong it was, mm. and I know how dedicated you are to to working out. How did you deal with the the significant changes in your body? Because when you were playing softball, I mean, you were you were in shape. And oh, I'm not, I'm not I, saying that you're oh. not in shape now, but it's just you have, you have a you have a different. It's, it's no, different. No, I get you. No, I I it's crazy because um, how did I deal with that? you know, very drastic change. Um, man, I had to go through, I think identity loss. Like I've really, really sat back. I think it was just a year and a half ago, you know, and I was like, Oh my gosh, like everything I thought made me who I was is now not me. So you know, the muscles was the biggest thing. Cause my image, you know, I was that girl, or I hope to be that girl on the other team where people are like, Oh, I bet she's good. Or, Oh man, you know, like things like that. And now it's like, I mean, I, I'm like a walking potato stick. <laughs> and it's like, that's like, to me, it's like not a confidence builder. So what I had to really do is just, just, just accept it. And just like, Hey, like at least you have two legs. Like I think that's where appreciation really, really, um, gave me no other choice, but to like act upon and, I think it's cool because, you know, just in my faith, God will always say, just like, be thankful. Like just, you know, gratitude is just, it's powerful and, uh, it helps that, you know, it helps you kind of let go. And, uh, you know, it took me a while to let go of that. I, uh, not just the physical strength, but it's just, I remember the energy I used to have, you know, and it's like, that's, that's helped me now because I can remember all the energy I used to put into things that, I shouldn't have been putting energy into. So now I use energy very wisely. So it's, uh, you know, I can compare every aspect of, you know, old me and like how much has changed physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And it's like, I've turned it into just like kind of tools for me to, you know, to help me now. And I think that's what a lot of people should do. Cause I think it's wise, you know, <laughs> Well, it's just, it's just awesome to hear your mindset and the way you look at things. It's really, um, it's, it's heartwarming just to hear like, cause I know what you went through. Um, I, I don't know what you went through, but what I saw, it was just devastating and hearing you talk about, 
how to deal with fear and deal with keeping your motivation high and your, the changes within your body and you're still you still got a shining bright you know spirit in you and it's awesome i appreciate that that's actually one thing i realize is at the end it doesn't matter what our outward appearance looks like what it does you know what it can do what it can't do that's nothing it's like the only thing that remains the same is your spirit like that thing that's always talking to you that thing that's literally talking in your mind like thinking about your day like that like that no one else can hear or see or touch or smell or just feel anything like 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 that I don't know I guess I guess that to me is just like I don't know it's cool I get like lost in it like I'm literally getting like (laughs) trances of it because it's just like I wish people understood that that's the one thing that doesn't change so why wouldn't you whether you're an all-American athlete or, you know, a paraplegic, like, why wouldn't you exercise the one thing that we all know is going to be there until our deathbed? And then it floats away. (laughs) Like, you know, you want to probably make it strong and, you know, so it can fly hard up because, you know, so. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, share with the, with my listeners now, I mean, you, you know, how long has it been? Has it been almost five years? No, it's uh, it's gonna be three years on April eighteenth of this year. So that's that's always weird, <laughs> you know, like those anniversaries. It's always weird. But when you think about it, you know, it's been three years. You can you can still work out. You can still do pull ups. You can still swing oh, yeah. the bat. I mean, and those oh, yeah. those activities you couldn't probably couldn't have done three years ago. Oh yeah, I mean, and absolutely, and that's what makes these, you know, kind of anniversary so just like subconsciously like special I guess to me because yeah I think of all that like look what I can do now and I've spent the last three years officially you know I can say that on these days like I've spent the last what 1080 something days you know working my butt off and changing myself and helping others and just just I've did all that in these three years and this is what I can do. And like, yeah, it's, it's a good feeling. Well, you have another perspective that I, I think it's just, it's incredible because when athletes or anybody that have gone through something tragic, especially if it's something that they love, they have a hard time. So in your case, you played softball, you broke your neck. Some people would be, would have a hard time still having a relationship with the game and yes. would move on from the game and maybe, maybe be resentful and pissed off at the game but you, you've been quoted that your passion for softball has actually increased even more so since you've had this accident. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's weird. In the It went through waves. Like in the beginning of my recovery, like I think I was just so fresh, like off of softball season. And by the time it was July, uh, Ken Erickson, the Olympic softball coach asked me to throw at a first pitch at some game in New Jersey. So, uh, I did. And that was the first time stepping on a field, you know, since my accident, there were so many people there and I loved it. It was cool. I hated that I was in the body I was in. Uh, Mm. it was weird. And after that, I did a few other things, you know, at softball fields, speaking to a few schools, throwing out a first pitch and, all of a sudden, Grant, I was like, I hate it. This sucks. Like, this is so dumb. Like, I'm so sick of being like the softball, like lab rat. Like I want to be known for, I've always been known for what I can do, you know? And like, why I don't want to parade around a softball field, you know, with what I can't do. Like that, that bothered me for a while. So I stayed away from softball, like even the idea of it for like the next, I want to say like eight months. And then, uh, I kind of got, just just kind of back into it curiously just watching baseball and and all of a sudden I'm realizing how much of what I took away from softball that has helped me in my recovery and that's where I was like oh my gosh this game is so cool full of life lessons like without my experience in playing softball I would never know how to turn that constant failure like into fuel And, you know, the game of softball and baseball, it's like you just strike out, you hopefully hit one in a gap and there's nine people out there ready to eat it. Like, it's like 
always failure. And I never realized how much that helped me. And that what that's kind of what reeled me back in. I was like, no, Bella, don't be bitter. Don't be stubborn, you know. And of course, a lot of softball girls, too, from all ages, really, like T-ball to college to fast pit, pro fast pitch, like they truly want my insight on some things just about the game. And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't touched a bat in, you know, so many years. And, but it's still cool to feel, um, you know, like almost like I, I can't shake softball and softball can't shake me. So it's, you know, I like it. It's, it's the marriage, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It is a love hate relationship. Well, when you were talking about that little lesson that you were learning, do you think that's the biggest lesson that you've taken from this situation? I, that's a tough question. I mean, that is, that was a definitely like a very uh, recovery changing thing I've learned because I like from that realization on like in therapy and even my therapist picked up on it. They were like, Oh, Bella, good for you. That's different. Is like when I would fail at an exercise or fail at whatever, like I would be like, no, 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 let me try again. In my previous, before I came to that realization, if I couldn't do something, I'd be like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I don't know where my foot is. I'm not going to like break my ankle in half. I'm not doing it. They would just be like, okay. And like find a new exercise. And you know, it helped me with that. But I would say the most important thing that I have learned is just to be grateful. Like it's like I said, it sounds corny, but it's to be grateful and to also like one thing I've learned is just how amazing the human body is. I have learned that probably that that trumps everything, like just how amazing our human bodies are and how much hope there is within our bodies and how much we can do outside of our bodies to help, you know, to help it, whether it's diet, whether it's exercise, good thoughts, you know, just all these things that I never, ever was even aware of before my accident. Mm. Do you think though, with your recovery, and I want to talk about, I want to talk about someone who's very important to you and it was important to you during uh, the years you played softball, but, you know, as far as inspiration goes, you know, coach Ralph Raymond, mm. uh, tell me about how he's, you know, how he's helped you through the recovery and, and also the statement that he used while you were playing for him how that's helped you through your, your recovery. Oh yeah. Ralph Raymond, uh, I got to go visit him soon. He's, um, he's amazing. He always told me, and keep in mind, this guy's like 80 something years old. He would always tell me as a player, he called me pig pen because I'd always be like filthy within the first <laughs> inning. He, he'd always say pig pen, do it right. Just do it right. Every single time I would go up to the bat, that's all he would say is do it right. And that's really his motto is just do it right. And in my recovery, I I saw him once I was in my walker. I wanted to go say hi. And he literally said the same words. He said, Hey, do it right. And I was like, yeah, all right. All right, coach will do. And I walked out the door and I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Right. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And it's helped me though, because if you think about it, if you can tell yourself, just do it right, then that automatically allows an excuse for your, you know, physical body. Like if you want to talk about a game, right? So softball, Bella, do it right. And I'm playing second base and I get a grounder and it takes a bad hop off a bad rock. Okay. And I get juked out and the ball, you know, goes behind me and I'm just like, crap. That doesn't mean I wasn't telling myself, do it right, do it right. You know, like if that it's a mentally stimulating and assuring and just a mental exercise to always remind yourself, do it right. So in my rehab now and anything I do, honestly, and just like, okay, do it right. And if, you know, the physical world interrupts it, Hey, at least my mind knew where it was going, you know? Right. And I, I I love it for so many reasons. I think when as athletes or anything in life, you know, as far as to keep us focused on the right things, that inner dialogue, that self-talk is huge. And when you have certain things like just do it right, we know what right looks like, not only because we've done it so many times, but for the most part, I've hopefully we've visualized it so many times. So we know right. what do it right means. Right. Exactly. And I like it because it's like, just, you know, your job. So do it, <laughs> like do it the best you can. Right, <laughs> like, right. like that's why I like it because of the simplicity of it. It's just like, 
you know, I remember the big contradiction between if a pitcher should catch a pop pop fly, you know, they're always like, no, let the third baseman or the first baseman or the catcher catch it. Coach Raymond would always be like, that is the most asinine thing I have ever heard. Do it right. If the ball's popped up to you and you're a pitcher, you got a glove, try to catch it. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Things like that. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> the common sense of it all, right? That, that's what it is. It's just common sense. It's, <laughs> it really is. What's, what's next for Bella? You know, Oh, I know you've man. been away from the game for three years. Are you missing it in a way where, you know, do you do you see yourself coaching? Do you see yourself doing instruction? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I've actually been asked by a few few teams, uh, even a few colleges, to consider coaching and all that stuff. And uh, honestly, it never really like felt good in my mind to think about not right now at least I'm not saying in the future but like right now um no because you know I'm the type of person who needs to lead by example and that's why I think that made me such a good leader in sports is just the way I you know just my intuitive athleticism and just I was very instinctive very smooth you know just literally doing it right as best as I could and I feel like as a coach, like since I can't physically do things, certain things, I, I would, that's like a huge part of my tool, you know, and like helping. So I, I'm staying away from that. But right now what's next for me is I'm actually, I got a few, actually a lot of speaking engagements uh, lined up for this year. You know, now that I'm, you know, pretty stable and I've gained back what I can gain back. I'm still working hard on that in therapy. I'll be doing that to the day I die. But there is a point where I have to like move on. And I think what God's kind of called me to do is just uh, go out and talk to people, honestly, just help people. And um, I've also been working on a few projects for some, you know, organizations and fundraising. Um, I want to be as involved as I can be in the spinal cord injury community and, you know, like Roman, just trying to, uh, you know, just help people walk again through technology and, you know, meditation. I'm, that's another thing too. I want to, uh, do some more schooling, very interested in like neuroscience now, which I never thought I would say, uh, like things like that. So, yeah. And I also want to, since I know that life is weird, I'm just like, why not put out a clothing line? <laughs> so I think I'm going to do that too. Awesome. And I have, I have a few books too that I can't wait to get out there. I was just going to ask you if there was a book in you. Oh yeah. I got, if I told you how many books I've written in the last three years, you'd probably judge me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got, I have some good material that um, I just need a publisher to kind of guide me and what to do with all of it because it's it's just all so raw it's so you know pure and like honestly just so like um just gentle I guess and just mm. I feel like there's not a lot of books like that it's always like you know there's always some kind of structure behind it but I think uh I think these will be cool I think people will really actually like take some good things away from it so and because of what you've gone through, you've found a, a new love for space and NASA, right? Oh, yes. Obsessed. Actually, before uh, we started talking today, I was just <laughs> reading an article on space rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, since my recovery, I think my fascination with the stars and just uh, the ocean, too, it makes me feel better about my injury. Uh, and I know I am uh, not the only one to say that with a spinal cord injury. It's actually a weird common um, interest that I find among spinal cord injury patients, which is so weird. I'm like, dude, wow. do you like, I'm like, do you like space? And they're like, yes. Like, <laughs> and it's like, and I'm like, did you like it before? And they're like, no, I never looked at a star in my life. So it's like, it's so cool how like, really everything we need is on earth, you know, for hope and to keep going. And I think that's what, why I became obsessed with space. Like you can't tell me like we weren't put on this earth not to see the stars and to ponder them and to have hope from them to be mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, like my problem right now, my injury is less than a grain of salt. It's probably like a piece of sand cut into eighths, like one of those eighths. <laughs> right. That is my problem right now. Like, and that to me is 
just another form of kind of how I get through every day, I guess, just space. And, oh, it's so interesting. It's like, if, if we can do the things we can do in space, if we have found the things we have found in space, if we can find fish with light bulbs hanging off their heads thousands of feet deep in the sea, you cannot tell me I won't be able to run again. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but you can't. Like, you can, you can tell me, but to make me actually believe that and be like, oh, poor me, like, that's very hard to do when you're a space and ocean lover. Well, it's very, very interesting to connect the commonality with, with patients that have gone through this that find you know, love for stars and space, but it kind of makes sense when you go through something this traumatic, you start to realize that there's more than just you. And I think, you know, and I get caught into this, we get so caught into our busy day that it, it is, it's all about us. It's about us navigating through this world. But then when your world stops and you can't do what you usually do, I guess it makes sense to look up and see there's other things bigger than me. Yeah. And that's that's one thing, honestly, I preach to other spinal cord injury patients. A few talks I've done is like, guys, the worst thing to do in your chair is to look down at your phone all day or, you know, to not be outside, blah, blah, blah. Like when you're in your chair, like that is a throne right now, you know, like look up, go wander, go, you know, just have if you can't wheel yourself, you know, hopefully you have someone who can wheel you outside and just all of a sudden start being as active as you ever were before your accident, but in your, in your mind, like that is, it's such a gateway. It's so, it's just amazing. I love, I love it. Mm, That's great. That's awesome. Well, one more question before we wrap up here. Uh, And I love asking this question in various different ways, but in this question, I want to ask you, if you had to deal with or work with or support an athlete that went through something similar, went through a spinal cord injury, what would you mm-hmm. say to them as far as um, support and getting them prepared for their journey? Uh, the first thing I would say is, look, you're not alone. Because that I felt so alone <clears throat> the first like three or four months. I would say you're not alone. Second of all, I'd say somebody has it worse. And I wouldn't say that to be like, suck it up. I would say that for hope. I would say someone has it worse. So everything that you lost, someone else lost more. So use it to your advantage to just keep going. And another thing I would say too, is just day by day, day by day, lose the athlete mentality, lose it. You got to just completely destroy it and change it or else it'll drive you crazy. And, um, another thing too, is I would say is just, you know, make sure to say thank you to everyone who's helping you, you know, um, that's something that I take very, like very seriously because there's nothing worse than having a nurse or a therapist, you know, have to change your diaper or wipe your nose. And the only thing you can do is say, thanks. Like you can't even hug them. Like, (laughs) right. So like I tell people that too, is that helped me. And I know a lot of my friends in the spinal cord injury community, it's like that, that mutual gratitude between, you know, the patient and whoever, whether it's your caretaker, your mom, whatever it's uh that's important too. And just look up, I would say, look up literally physically look up. I don't care how fused your neck is. My doctor told me, Hey, you'll never be a stargazer. You lost probably 30% mobility front to back. And that's when I started become a stargazer. So it's like, <laughs> look up, just look up. Your chin is not welded to your chest. Well, it's it's a great message because, you know, I always preach to this when I'm working with athletes that every day, so if it's practice or in competition, show up. And, and with regards to patients that are, you know, have had spinal injuries, it's not only show up, but look up, you know, show because mm-hmm. every day, you know, you're, you have to deal with tons of stuff physically and emotionally and mentally. And if you're not showing up and looking up, you're not putting yourself in the right position to deal with exactly. it. Exactly. I love that because, you know, if you can show up, then good. You, you got the first thing checked off. Like, you're there. And, you know, you just have from there, you just have to kind of wait for, for that guidance, whether it's your soul or, you know, someone else, because everything does happen at the right moment. And you know, we, us on earth, we don't always like know what that time is, but 
I think if, if people just learned how to, like we said in the beginning, kind of live in the moment, like literally take all the pain in, don't avoid it and just allow that to kind of carry into the next moment. You know, there has to be nothing left behind when you're living presently. And I think that's really the only way you can get better, you know? Exactly. I agree with you so much. I agree with you. How can my audience follow you on social media? Oh, yes. So I am an Instagrammer. Uh, My Instagram is Isabella Pickard. I have Twitter. That is Isabella Pickard. I have a Facebook that I have to like figure out how to make public. Um, but it's Isabella Pickard. And then I have Snapchat, although don't know how to work it anymore because of the new update. <laughs> and it's uh, Snapchat is just Bella Pickard. Awesome. Well, I hope my listeners follow follow you and follow not only your journey, because uh, you, you can see a lot of just what you're doing and your improvements, but also, you know, I want my listeners to follow you because you're going to be affecting the world with your story. And would love them to, you know, keep, you know, keep up being updated on what you're doing and where you're speaking and all that. And and hopefully they can pick up your, your future books. Oh, absolutely. I I can't wait. I can't wait to get as many personal connections with people as I can. That's incredible. Well, I love talking to you. You know, we've talked a few times and your story, it motivates me, uh, makes me realize when I'm having bad days or when I've had to deal with my, you know, my current ending injury. Like when I look at that, it doesn't even amount to what you're going through. And it's just your inspiration and the way that you deal with it, your spirit, your mindset is, it's just, um, it's just incredible. And I, I, I'm honored not only to have you on my show, but I'm just honored to, to know people like you that are just, they're fighting a good fight and they're never giving up. I appreciate that a lot because, um, boy, is it a good fight. (laughs) It is a good fight. It is. I'm, uh, you know, I was a scrappy athlete and, uh, I'm a, I'm a scrappy recoverer too. So I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for being on my show. Of course. Thank you for having me. You bet.